Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, the guy who said he was ready and really isn't. <laughs> You're close enough, and we are always listening. Uh, and uh, this is another episode. We're so glad that you've joined us. Uh, we talk all the time about the news and trends in the podcasting industry and space. Uh, of course, you can look at our back catalog, lots of reviews of great podcasts, highlighting some uh, great examples of the art form and medium. Uh, but week to week here, we try to bring you the latest topics in the podcasting industry and how they are going to affect you as a podcast producer yourself. Um, Jay, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. One little bit of follow-up, and I want to put this right up at the top. Last week, I talked about um, the fact that there are a lot of things moving in the Apple space right now that might hint at a coming podcast app for the Mac and what that might mean for the iTunes desktop application, period. Uh, that was backed up, reconfirmed, I feel like, this week, right after we got off the air. As a matter of fact, I think the next day, uh, Steve Troughton-Smith, and you can see the link for this in the show notes. Steve Troughton-Smith is a very well-known iOS developer. I believe he's the the guy behind PCalc, which is an excellent calculator application if you don't have uh, one that you use or, or that you prefer. It is really, really cool and very very affordable, has a lot of great features, and uh, he's always tweaking things in the back. As a matter of fact, there's like a an AR game mode in this calculator. That's how uh, high-level a developer he is. He takes advantage of all of the new things that Apple offers on a regular basis, even in applications where you might not think those uh, new features have a role. Uh, so he's, he's a great developer, and one of the things that he's known for is poking at Apple's releases to see what is unannounced. He unpacks a lot of uh, applications, pulls the code apart, and looks for hints at where they're going. And uh, what he said this week was that he didn't want to divulge the details. He, he didn't want to talk about the specifics of why he feels this way. He says, I am now fairly confident based on evidence I don't wish to make public at this point that Apple is planning new, likely UI kit. Um, that's the same uh, design framework that is used for iOS apps. And it's what Apple is sort of suggesting to developers that will be moved to the Mac side of things, starting with this summer's release of the new version of Mac OS. Uh, Music, podcasts, perhaps even the Books app for macOS to join the new TV app, which they've already announced. They've said the TV app is coming to macOS uh, this fall, and uh, the understanding, the belief from a lot of developers and people that follow the Apple space was that it would be using those same frameworks that the developers are going to get access to to move their iOS apps over to the Mac side. Steve Trouton-Smith says he's seen evidence of this and that these four apps are likely coming. Uh, interesting to me, the Books app is one of the ones that he mentions, Jay, because the Book app the book app already exists on macOS. It's a standard Mac, Mac application. It's an old-style Mac application. And so this shows that Apple is willing to even replace their current applications with this new framework and new design and the new back end, the new coding. Um, should gain us a lot of advantages, should be much faster and more efficient software. That's the big thing. What does it mean for podcasters? It would mean, finally, a unified experience for listeners, both on the iOS side and on their desktop and laptop computers. That would be the biggest thing. How many times, Jay, have you and I seen in the Facebook groups this week people complaining about their show not showing up in the iTunes directory? Or, <laughs> hey, it's in the Apple Podcast app, but it's not in iTunes. This is one of the reasons why Apple has been moving towards this, guys. The iTunes uh, application as it exists is a bloated you know, over-expanded piece of old technology that's been bolted on and bolted on and bolted on to, to meet the new features and new needs that Apple has, it has outlived its usefulness by far. And I was so glad to see this from Steve Trouton-Smith. Uh, expect to see more developers like Steve following up on this. I would expect pretty soon you'll see somebody publish something that they found in the code. Steve says he's keeping it to himself right now. I would be surprised if somebody else didn't come out and show their work, so to speak. Um, but the, the big thing that you need to know as a podcaster is we need to be paying very close attention to what Apple does in June and July, whenever WWDC comes up. That's the Worldwide Developer Conference this summer. They will lay all of this out. They will give us timelines and a basic idea of when this will be finalized so that we as podcasters can prepare for this new world in the fall. Um, so 
pay attention, be aware, and those of you that hate iTunes, <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> well, you're still going to hate Apple. I don't sure. know. Maybe not. But here's the here here's a couple of things I'll add to that. One, congrats to you because you pointed this out immediately after the presentation uh, a couple of weeks ago. So kudos to you. You were on top of this. Uh, I will add that they've been telling us to call it Apple Podcasts forever, and yet we were still sharing an iTunes link. When you copied to share the link of your podcast to Twitter or Facebook or whatever, it, it went to iTunes. Um, at least it did on the on the desktop. So to have the uniformity that they've been trying to tell us to start using, start calling it Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, well, now they're going to force you to do it because iTunes will no longer be a thing. The other thing I wanted to point out is – uh, my phone updated with the latest uh, iOS uh, the other day, and there was this new little app on my phone that's like a square with like a red stripe horizontally through it, and it says news on it. And then I got an email saying, hey, check out the new Apple News app. And I was like, new? It's not really new. It was always there. You just changed the design of the of the app. So I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like an N. I, I get it now. That's, a, oh, that's supposed to be an N, not a red stripe through a white square. Okay, well, got it. And the other interesting thing there, the reason why they're telling you about news now more than they have in the past, Jay, is because they have something to sell you there, right? They have a News Plus subscription, $9.99 a month, that'll give you access to a bunch of magazines and newspaper content and online subscriptions, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, we've talked about Apple getting more interested in the podcasting game. Having this app unified on the desktop and the mobile side would allow them to begin to do something like that. Serve original content. Serve premium content. Serve a premium subscription model. Begin to take donations and pass those on to podcasters while taking a piece, for instance. All those things become possible if they have that unified app across their listening ecosystem, I think. So uh, I, would, I would expect to see Apple ramp that up in the future. Awesome. Well, you know, there there really isn't a lot of news. I I put the title on our on our show note. I don't know if you're going to keep it or not, but I no, I like it actually. <laughs> I called it "All's Quiet on the Podcasting Front." Too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, we just had Radio Days Europe uh, last week. Uh, there wasn't a lot of news that came out of it. There was still more on the Google versus the BBC. That was pretty much the highlight, I think, of that particular. Uh, conference. The NAB is happening this week. Uh, the big guns are out there. They're all excited. They're front and center at the NAB, the big guns of podcasting, that is. Uh, they're doing a lot of, I think their, their presentations, their stage presentations are happening tomorrow. Uh, there have been a few. I know uh, Carl Young, uh, or I think that's how you say his name, the uh, head of NPR, uh, did a session yesterday at the NAB. Again, not a lot that we haven't already heard coming out of NPR out of that particular session. Um, you know, they look at podcasting as a way to infuse youth into their listenership. There's about a decade difference between the average age of the uh, radio listener on NPR and the average age of the podcast listener on NPR. So that was, you know, that's again, not new news, but again, interesting that they continue to highlight that particular aspect. And then uh, he sort of backed off on anything about rad, uh, which has been sort of a polarizing uh, solution to uh, tracking advertising on podcasts. Uh, he didn't have much to say about that, uh, as there's probably not much to say about that. Uh, there's still a lot, as I said, it's polarizing. You're you're either for it or against it. There doesn't seem to be uh, a compromise or a middle road in there somewhere. I'm sure there is, but uh, people smarter than I still haven't found it. So uh, that's sort of what's going on right now in the podcasting space. There's just there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of conferences going on. Oftentimes, announcements come out of these conferences. Uh, companies plan on making their announcements during these conferences, uh, but we haven't really seen anything uh, just yet. So a lot of the news that I focused on this past week was sort of, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm big on the advertising in mm -hmm. podcasting. That's sort of my thing. That's really what got me more involved in the podcasting space than just being the lead producer at ESPN. And uh, there were a number of different um, articles that came out uh, this week that I thought were very telling about where we're at in the podcasting space in terms of advertising. And the first one I want to bring up 
is uh, from business.com and it features the CEO of Oxford Road. Now, Oxford Road is a major uh, advertising um, uh, company. They, they act as, a, as the middleman between the podcasters and the advertisers. And uh, I thought this was a rather interesting article because it was directed to the advertisers on how to successfully run a campaign in podcasting. And what is great about this is this is exactly what we as an industry need more of. You know, not only do we need do we as podcasters need to educate ourselves on how to best sell our podcasts to advertisers, we as podcasters also need to educate the advertisers how they're going to see their best return of investment. And I've said this to different podcasters numerous times. You have to understand that an advertiser isn't just giving you money because they think you're a nice guy and they want to pat you on the back. Oh, you made this great thing. Thank you so much. No, they're giving you money so that they can make more money. They want to pay you to get their message out to sell their product. That's the ultimate deal there. So what you now are becoming is a salesperson for their product. Now, whether that's in a host red ad where you're essentially giving an endorsement to that product or you're just a pitch man, you know, hyping up the message, getting that message out, getting as much uh, impressions as you possibly can so that that product is the top of mind for a person who's going out and looking for new auto parts or looking for car insurance or whatever that particular product might be, buying a new mattress, uh, you know, getting uh, food delivery uh, per to prepare for your for your family. Whatever that product might be, that's your role as the podcaster when you're taking on advertising is to make more money for that advertiser. And when you do that, they pay you more money. It's a symbiotic relationship there. And so understanding how to get the advertisers to understand how you're going to best give them a return on their investment is exactly something that you should be doing. And the folks at Oxford Road have been in the advertising business for quite some time. Uh, and it was good to see them put out an article just like this. It was a very interesting article to me, Jay. The, the, the thing that blew my mind is the dollar amounts that they're talking about. And, and again, I think, I think it just shows the, the areas of this industry where I play and have spent my time versus the areas of the industry where you have spent yours. Uh, in the second paragraph, they, they they're talking about who should advertise. They're starting with direct-to-consumer brands, um, and, and of course that has been the bread and butter for podcasting. But they're talking about budgets. $50,000 is a minimal viable test spend, in their opinion. And um, they're talking about how to spread that out and how to make that, that first spend most effective. But the, the fact of the matter is there is a tremendous desire – uh, among large brands to not miss out on this opportunity. And this is what this article is really capitalizing on and speaking to, Jay. And I think we as podcast producers, as people in this industry, particularly uh, the ad agencies and the, the middlemen that are in the industry, should now be approaching and working with directly uh, – advertisers that have been slow to move into our industry. In particular, this one references the brand advertisers, right? Those those big brands who are not about direct action, but are about um, name recognition and long-term, you know, raising of their profile. Now is the time to get in. And if you are a producer that has an interesting market, a, a compelling audience, an active, engaged audience, and you have a brand that you've thought about in the past approaching, I think this article would be a great way to lay out some of the, you know, terminology and some of the ways that you pitch it to them as you approach them. But I, I think this is something that not just the big companies should be looking at. I think ind independent producers should also be considering and looking at opportunities that they may have to make a direct relationship with an advertiser. Yes. Dan Granger, by the way, is the CEO. I'm glad I finally found his name. <laughs> So I could properly attribute uh, the writer of this particular article. But again, it's something that I think we as podcasters need to understand more about exactly how advertising works, what an advertiser is looking for, and then understand how you can bring that return of investment to that advertiser with your podcast. Very important. Similarly, uh, 
the pod sites uh, folks uh, released a blog about what is the optimal frequency for podcast advertising. Now, uh, frequency is something that is mentioned in the Oxford Road article as well. Uh, pod sites is using their analytics that they've actually seen uh, work with the uh, podcasts that they have worked with. Um, they mention a very specific uh, example in defensive paper is a journal company that produces premium journals and they bought over four podcasts in four months. The overall frequency was 1.48, meaning that the average user downloaded one and a half episodes on average, a user downloaded 1.58 episodes before they went to visit the site that was being advertised about in that particular podcast. And then the user that purchased downloaded an average of 2.33 episodes uh, before they made that purchase. So, so you can sort of see already what's happening here. It took one and a half episodes before the user that they were targeting uh, was even aware of what it was that they were being advertised about or before they even acted upon what was being advertised about. And that was just to visit. So, so that's the, uh, that's the impression, right? That's the top of mind that you've produced there, but it took a whole nother three episodes because 2.33, well, it's two and a third, obviously it took three more episodes for them to actually act upon that particular advertisement, meaning they actually went and purchased the product that was being advertised for. So when you see those types of numbers, again, goes towards educating the advertiser, letting the advertiser know, hey, you can't just run one ad. It's going to take you at least three episodes before that audience is going to purchase your product. It's going to take them at least two episodes before they even go and visit your site that you're advertising about. So what we're talking about is patience. Advertising and podcasting equals patience. And if you have a show, let's say I, I talk about podcasters all the time. What, how many episodes should I release uh, when I'm creating my podcast? What, what type of release schedule should I have? Well, oftentimes people will say, well, I don't have time to do once a week. And that is a very popular frequency, by the way. If understanding this now, if you want advertising in your podcast and you're doing less than once a week, your, your audience isn't going to purchase the product that's being advertised for two months. Yeah, It's going to take two months for you to deliver a return of investment to the advertiser. And at that point, the advertiser is already out. These advertisers are looking for instant gratification. Everybody these days is looking for instant gratification. So while we can preach patience to these advertisers, the quicker you can return your investment to that advertiser, the better off you're going to be in terms of getting more advertising dollars to your podcast. So again, it's a understand what they're looking for, understand what you're going to deliver, and understand how you can make that relationship work for both sides in the long run. Uh, this is a, a great set of research here, Jay. And the, the thing that occurs to me as I sit looking at this. It's been a while since I've looked at radio numbers uh, of, of a similar, uh, you know, advertisement reactions and responses. Um, but I, I got to imagine that the radio number is much higher than 2.33, uh, you know, listens to that ad before action. Um, I, you know, the, the number that I always heard from, from radio managers is you got to drill something in their head 10, 12, 15 times before they're going to start going to the website, before they're going to join your Facebook group, before they're going to go to that advertiser's website, whatever it might be. Uh, and that was with our direct calls to action that the DJs would give advertisements, you know, even more so we've talked about that lean back atmosphere where when the attitude and the, uh, tone switches to the advertisements and radio, we've been pre-programmed to switch the station. So again, like I think these numbers, if you approach advertisers and you show them uh, research like this, those that haven't looked at the podcasting space seriously are going to have to take it seriously because these numbers are amazing compared to their other media um, experiences, I would say. Also understand um, that in radio, the way that they label their audience is something called a P1, a P2, a P3, a P4. Your P4s is the, think of it as your funnel. I know a lot of you have heard talk about the funnel. Your P4s are the largest part of your funnel. 
They're the ones that are casually listening to your radio station. They're coming in and out. They may remember to write your name down in the diary. They may not. Who knows? They're sort of floaters. And as you get closer and closer, you get your P1s. Those are the ones that are most active. They're your most dedicated listeners. They're the ones that are going to listen to you no matter what. They're not changing the station when the ads come on. They're sticking to your station all the way through. They're listening to every second uh, that is coming out of their speakers and related to your particular station. Podcasting, that's all your audience is. Your entire audience on a podcast is a P1. They have searched you out. They're listening to the entirety of your podcast, 85%. We've got that information from Edison Research. 85% of an audience that's listening to a podcast listens to most of the podcast. That is a huge, huge, huge number, and it's something that does not happen in radio. Radio wishes that 85% of their audience were P1s. That's simply not the case. I think 85% of the radio audience is a P4. So understanding the power that we have as podcasters, but don't, you also have to understand to not oversell it either, right? So yes, you have a very dedicated listening audience of 1000 people every time you put out a new episode. Radio's P1 is still higher than that 1000 number that you're talking about. So you have to sort of put everything in its right perspective and then properly sell that to an advertiser. Your 1,000 will get bigger. We see the numbers. Edison Research keeps saying, you know, recognition of what podcasting is, all of that is growing. It's just growing very slowly. I thought we, I definitely, I, you can, I'll point a finger right at me. When I first started podcasting 14 years ago, I thought we'd be way beyond the point that we're at right now. But we're going to get there, and we'll get there soon enough. <laughs> Let's just... Let's just understand the perspective and put the right perspective on everything that's going on and understand that it's not instant gratification. Nothing is. It, it's We're going to be there. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to benefit from it. Patience, my friends. Patience. Patience, indeed. Uh, speaking of patience, uh, I, I want to congratulate the author of this next article that we're going to talk about. This is from... Um, <laughs> Pacific content. Uh, it was a medium post. It's called Jimmy and the magic pizza shop. This is from Dan Meisner and it is a beautifully laid out explanation of what the IAB 2.0 is and how podcast stat tracking is such a complicated thing to begin with. Um, I, the, the metaphor is a pizza shop, a magic pizza shop that gives away free pizzas. And yet they want somebody to tell them how many people they're serving with pizza every day. And so Jimmy McMetrics stands outside the door and counts the people. But Jimmy discovers counting people that want pizza and that have taken pizza is a difficult thing. Do you count them if they take only a slice? What if they take a crumb? What if they come back multiple times for multiple pizzas, Jay? Do you count them multiple times? These are the issues that confront us with the IAB 2.0. And again, if you've ever wondered about why is it so hard? Why can't, I mean, you, you see the downloads. Can't you just give me that number? And that's the number of people that have accessed my content. It is not that simple. And this article lays that out in a, a very interesting and compelling way. I thought what the beauty of this was that it really put it in very simplistic forms. And they do admit at the end that uh, you couldn't, they couldn't really make the metaphor fit perfectly. Sure. But you, but it does give the person who doesn't want to get into the nuts and bolts about what a, you know, what a partial download is, what the, what, what even an RSS feed is for those people that don't want to get into that sort of technicality. This explains in a very simple way, exactly what the problem is in terms of measuring podcasts. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's well-written and highly recommended to read. Yeah. You, it honestly, if you've got any confusion over that, you, you need to go in and break it down all together and go through it, read it again, read it, read it a second time, share it with your co-hosts that have asked about download metrics. Um, the takeaways are this, the end, the entire industry is moving to a new standard. And we are, I think long-term 10 years, maybe, maybe it won't take that long. I don't know, Jay, but at some point in the future, we won't be talking about downloads. We'll be talking about listens. I think, um, I think Spotify is pushing that. I think Apple's going to be pushing that as they move forward too. And 
everyone else will fall into place. If your download numbers change as a result of IAB 2.0 audience, your audience hasn't changed. If IAB mm-hmm. 2.0, if your media host changes your metrics, your stats have changed, your audience hasn't changed. This is so important. Nobody went away. Nobody stopped listening to your show. I see uh, across the ecosphere right now, I see producers worried about this. Oh, I had a big day. I had a small day. I've seen You and I talked about our show has had a recent trend with some slightly different numbers, and it's specifically because this IAB compliance is happening behind the scenes. All of these companies are working to get closer and closer to what we decide is the truth of our industry, right? And we understand this article lays out how difficult that is to quantify exactly, but we're hoping to be closer to it at the end of this. Um, But that hasn't changed the actual amount of people that are interacting with you. The folks that are on your Facebook group, the people that email you, the people that review your show, those people are all still there. Uh, Every other non-download metric of success is still relevant too. Your rankings in Spotify and iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I think those still matter and those are still as relevant as they were before. Your, um, again, the size of your Facebook group, the number of interactions that you have from your audience throughout the week, all of those things are more accurate measures of the engagement of your audience, I think, than what your download stats are anyway. And then finally, for brands especially, downloads can't be the only metric of a podcast success. But that's I think that's so true for individuals too, Jay, isn't it? When you start a mm-hmm. show and you first get rolling and it's like, okay, 20 downloads an episode, 100 downloads an episode maybe, oh, hey, we hit 200 this week. Those are exciting moments, but at the same time, it can be so frustrating when you put in 40 hours worth of work and then you're like, what, 20 people listen to that? That's all I got? Think about, though, the one person that reached out and said, Joel, thank you for that episode. I can't tell you how glad I was to hear this sort of discussion or this story or that bit of news or, oh, my God, I'd never thought about treating my podcast that way and you guys totally turned my attitude on it. Those are the impacts. That is the effect. That is what we're doing this for. So uh, download metrics are not going to be the only thing that matters. They don't currently. They're not the only thing that matters currently, and they won't be in the future. Your audience not changing, I think, is key. Mm. Todd Cochran has mentioned this numerous times. If the number is smaller than what it currently is, and we'll relate this back to advertising, if your ultimate number from the change in the metrics is smaller than what it previously was, then you should technically have an argument that you should be charging that company more money because you're actually returning a higher return of investment to that particular advertiser. So that's going to be, that'll be an interesting battle because ultimately the one with the purse will control that argument. But at the end of the day, understand that guys like Todd Cochran are going to fight for that to be the case. You don't have to worry that the advertiser is going to be like, well, your audience is lower, so we have to pay you lower. No, actually, you've returned a higher return of investment to that particular advertiser. You should actually charge them more. Ultimately, the compromise is you should get paid the exact same amount. And then continue moving forward with that relationship with that advertiser. I absolutely agree. Jay, this is a, a little bit of a, a, a light news day, um, but there was a um, – you mentioned that there was a story about the Bright Sessions in today's Hot Pod newsletter. Uh, the Bright Sessions, by the way, um, the, uh, the creator of that show, one of the uh, featured keynote speakers for Podcast Movement 19 recently announced. Lauren Shippen, and again, uh, what's nice about this particular article, um, uh, which is written by Caroline uh, Crampton, who's partnered with – Nick Qua over there at Hot Pod. Uh, they're doing a series now about making money in podcasting, and they, they're going to highlight the many different ways that one can make money in advertising. There's a story from Nick about uh, Luminary, um, which I'm going to skip over. Uh, but Caroline talked with Lauren Shippen, and Lauren talked about uh, the struggles that she encountered when creating the Bright Sessions in 2015, and she tried to do it with as little cost as possible. Now, if you don't know what the Bright Sessions are, it's a, a fictional podcast with a uh, with actors 
so there's there are many different costs, and, and we've talked about this, and we'll talk about it some more when we get to the podcast recommendations today, uh, what it costs to actually make fictional audio in the podcasting landscape. And uh, she mentioned that uh, the financial realities really sort of <laughs> highlighted her struggles in making this particular podcast because she still need to have a day job to keep the lights on and keep the rent paid. Uh, and she was working 80 to 100 hour weeks in doing the podcast and working a regular day job. Uh, It takes her apparently 40 hours a week to produce just one episode. And I can totally understand that when you've got multiple actors who probably are on different schedules and you're trying to piece together however many different acts you're going to do in one particular episode. And, uh, you know, even just from a podcast editing standpoint, you know, we, we've had conversations about this. You use the rule of three to one, three hours of production to one hour of recording. And you can see how quickly, uh, uh, a fictional audio podcast could get up to 40 hours with the amount of production that the amount of post-production that goes into putting together an audio story. Just simple things like looking at multiple takes, right? In a regular podcast editing situation, I'm, I'm not, you and I don't uh, say a thing multiple times. We say it, and and I might come in and cut out an um or an ah or an I think before to make that d- statement more declarative, perhaps. But I'm not looking at four different versions of you saying, and this is what I think, and picking the best one, right? Whereas with uh, a narrative, with an audio drama, that is precisely what you're doing in many cases. You have multiple takes from that actor, and you're trying to get the best one to fit in with the regular flow. Yeah, it's a super complex uh, issue to tackle. So by the end of the third season, she was able to start paying the actors and production team for the work that they were doing on the podcast. That's the end of the third season. At the end of the first season is when she launched her Patreon account. Uh, by the end of the fourth season, her patrons uh, totaled between 1300 and 1400 and was getting her about $3,000 a month. All right, now we're going to break down the cost of this. This is absolutely fascinating about all of this. Uh, an average episode, which is usually just two people in a room talking, as she described it, cost a minimum of $2,000 to make. A larger cast recording in a studio typically required $5,000. The show's special musical episode, which it marked, which marked its 50th installment, cost $11,000. And all of that is less what Shippen's own time in writing would cost. By the way, even by the end of the third season, she still wasn't paying herself other than at the end of the month, she would look to see, do I have enough to give myself a little bit of a bonus this particular month? This is a show that is immensely popular <laughs> and successful, but the production was living hand to mouth. She has a spinoff that will be on Luminary behind the paywall, which audience has already started grumbling about. I, uh, I uh, it's behind a paywall, and she's like, "Listen, the show wouldn't exist unless they were going to pay me to do it." And that's something to understand too. These companies that are putting out these paywalls are paying the podcaster to be exclusive on their platform. How that how they're going to end up making money is only if that audience follows and pays that company to go listen to that content. And that's where things are going to start getting tricky. That's where the math is going to really have some trouble adding up for a lot of these places. And the part that I am concerned about, you know, we've talked about you know, the creators at Gimlet creating a union, ultimately, if you want to control, and and it does come down to control, if you want to control the results of your podcast, you need to do it on your own and understand that when you're doing it on your own, you have these types of struggles as, as highlighted here by Lauren Shippen to get your podcast to that point by joining up with a Gimlet or a Luminary or a Wondery or any of those other places, you give yourself that fast track to a little bit more success, but you end up giving up some of the control and the process. And that's the sort of thing that you need to understand. As a as an independent podcaster, you can be successful, but as pointed out here, even after four years, you still not be ma- you still may not be making enough money to pay yourself in the end. And that's a it was a harrowing story in some ways, like like putting myself in her shoes and the the level of work and and, and uh, toil that she's put in. Um, the the content is amazing. You're absolutely right. You know, I I'm reminded, Jay. Uh, I've got friends in the music industry. I've got a, a musician friend named Adam Dale, and he and I were talking one time about this move 
over the past decade or so to streaming and the ways that it is changing the music industry. And he says, oh, when I hear people say, oh, you know, streaming services don't pay musicians enough or it's a, it's a shame you can't make a living as a musician anymore, et cetera, et cetera. He said, I just think about the historical anomaly that was the recording industry, right? Like the <laughs> we had this thing in the middle of the 20th century where popular music's reproduction enabled a business. The fact that we were printing little discs, little plastic discs and sending those around the world, they're that created this massive industry that could funnel into creativity. But it's sort of exactly that, just a historical anomaly. For all of history, most musicians, if you were that as a actual profession, the only way you could do that as a profession was if you had a patron. You would have a wealthy person that suggested to you what sort of artwork you would make. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would make that artwork for that person and therefore they would provide for your living. And... Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying that the window of creativity uh, in this podcasting space has closed, but I do think that the average producer, if you've got a, an idea for something you know big and bold like the Bright Sessions, you need to be realistic about what the future is for that. There is no gold rush, as the Bright Sessions story will tell you. There is no quick path to fame and fortune through creativity. Even someone who has an incredibly popular show who is recognized by her industry as a leading creator, highlighted here as a, you know, we just mentioned she's going to be a keynote speaker at uh, Podcast Movement 2019. That shows you that she's on top and recognized by her peers and still she couldn't pay herself. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> I see the move of these big companies into the space the Spotify's of the world, hopefully Apple getting more interested. Um, I see it potentially, Jay, as a way to extend this creativity period uh, with their funds without the concern of immediate return, right? Like Apple wants more Apple users, and they want their Apple users to spend more time and attention in Apple applications. They're willing to pay for content to make that happen. Look at what they're doing with the arcade right now. Apple Arcade is happening now, uh, or it's going to happen this fall, and that's effectively what they're doing there. Apple is going directly to game developers and saying, hey, let's give you a big chunk of money to make that game. We'll basically pay for that game. We'll help you release it, and then we'll have great terms so that you can benefit from the use and the playing of that game and make more money after the fact, too. But we're going to take the production costs off you to start with. I envision that very much happening with this podcasting model. And I see potentially the sort of stratification being okay. Some shows, some creators going to these big tech companies with paid up front shows behind paywalls to then also support the thing that they're doing out in the open. Bright Sessions isn't closing. Bright Sessions isn't shutting down, right? She's adding to it with a spinoff that's going to fund the project as a whole. I think lots of creators might find relationships like that with the big companies like Spotify and Apple. I've got my fingers crossed. I think so. I, I think, again, it, it all comes down to there's room in this space for everybody. Like, it's not just a all advertising. It's not just an all Patreon. It's not just an all merch sort of solution. Really, you want to get as many streams feeding that revenue river because uh, that's really how everything in life works. Get as many different, get on as many different platforms as you can, get as many different revenue streams as you can, and ultimately you're going to find the most success. And if there happens to be a company that notices the work that you're doing that stands out amongst the rest, then congrats on you, my friend. Uh, take it, take that ball and run with it and run as far as you can. And like you said, maybe it's something that helps fuel your next creative project. Uh, maybe it's something that will lead you to the next thing that you want to work on. And, um, you know, all on you, my friend. Jay, let's get to a couple of dates that we want people to remember about and, and a little preview of what you're going to hear from us next week, as a matter of fact. So two dates for your diary here. First, this Thursday, April 11th, and there's a 
link in the show notes. You can register for the Edison Research Reveal, the podcast consumer uh, for this year. We're going to be watching that presentation. And then on Monday, April 15th, next Monday, Jacob's Media Tech Survey, a survey of radio listeners with some podcasting info. That's going to be released on Monday, April 15th. There's a link to register for that as well. What Jay and I are going to do actually next week, we're going to be watching both of those. And then on Monday afternoon, as soon as that presentation from Jacobs is over, we'll go on. Uh, we may even live stream it if we can, but we'll go on to discuss that. And then we'll have our episode up sort of as live reaction to those two releases. Uh, it might be a little earlier next week, but it'll be out there. Then after that, you got Coffee with Envision. On Tuesday, April 23rd, this is a radio webinar. It's free, focusing on the on-air talent, but again, potentially interesting and, and might have some uh, good things to offer for producers and, and people in the industry in general. That's on April 23rd. So you got this Thursday, April 11th, Monday, April the 15th, and Tuesday, April 23rd, three big webinar events for you to uh, to check out. Yeah, the first two are obviously research done on the podcasting uh, audience that's out there, so those are obviously very interesting for us uh, from that perspective. I included the coffee with Envision. It was something that I just happened to come across literally this morning uh, as I was scrolling through. It's a free webinar where the there will be talent from the Envision radio network uh, providing tips and talking about the on-air product, how to produce better on-air product. And one of the things I always come across when I'm talking to podcasters, Joel, and I'm sure you come across this too, is I went to school for radio. <laughs> like when I, when I went to Emerson college, I went to learn all about radio. So I have, I have training in all of these types of things. I have a long storied career in radio, most of it at ESPN, but I have professional training in how to create radio programming. And that's something that Many podcasters don't. Their training is, well, I listen to this show and I'm just going to copy sort of what I hear. And so they don't have that professional insight, the the theories behind why you do certain things, uh, why a tease is important, even if it's not at the beginning of a show, why you tease upcoming content in a middle of a show, what the importance of doing that sort of thing is. And that's exactly what Envision will do. Now, they're going to do it with a radio slant. So understand the purpose of radio is to keep a listener listening for the next five minutes. Um, that's that's sort of the thing that they're going to be talking about. But you can still gain a lot of very important insights by listening to what radio people are doing and why they're doing it and apply that to what you're doing with your podcast and why you should be talking about certain things in a certain way. Yes, Yes, and I think there's a lot to gain there for producers. Um, Jay, let's wrap it up. Let's talk about our what are we currently listening to this week. You want to go first? Or you want me to? Oh, we. Can, I can go first. Um, you know, last week I talked about the Blackout uh, podcast, uh, the audio fiction podcast uh, starring Rami Malek. Uh, and so I went, you know what? Why don't I go listen to another audio fiction podcast that's had some critical acclaim? And uh, I listened to Wolverine The Long Night, um, which originally was released on Stitcher Premium. And then after a few months had uh, gone by, they released it for free out into the wild, so to speak. Um, and I have a lot of the same criticism for Wolverine The Long Night as I had for Blackout. And again, this has to do with leading into commercials. Um, their solution to this, and by the way, a lot of their commercials were just for other podcasts available on Stitcher or premium. So I don't know exactly how they were paying themselves to advertise themselves. It didn't make sense. But um, the, they went to commercial with this podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. That is just as bad as what I ranted about a couple weeks ago in terms of breaking for an advertisement. That is a trigger. Like, don't trigger me. And especially with Wolverine, the way that they produced it, they had long periods of music that they would fade out and then they would come in with this message. Just fade out. Yeah, fade that fade music out, out and, go the commercials. and go right to the commercial. Like, you don't need to tell me you're going to be right back because honestly, you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, TV you're doesn't do that. Head. Right? TV does not do that. They don't do that yeah. anymore. Even even reality TV shows or, or, or like uh, 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 the morning shows, they don't – when they're – they tease the next segment sometimes, but they don't say, and now we're going to get paid. Like, it's just, 
Oh, it's so, it's so frustrating, Jay. It is really... I, I don't quite have the, like, angry with my lightsaber out like you do about it, but I, it does frustrate me as well. Um, my So my listen, my currently listening is a show that I actually am a rabid fan of. I listen to it for... I've listened to the Wolverine show, by the way. I listened to the whole first season. I haven't heard the second season. Uh, it's available on Stitcher Premium now. Well, they they bring him down to the bayou, right? It's, uh, it's, it's yes. set in and around New Orleans, I think. Uh, I think Gambit's yeah. maybe a character in that season, too. I loved that show. I enjoyed the first season quite a lot. I will check out the second season as well. And I think that is a pretty decent I don't know how the, you know, how it's done for them business-wise, but I do think that is a great model in that they had that premium window, right? Your subscribers can get it early. If you're really a rabid fan, you go and pay them to get that Marvel content. If not, you can get it later, ad supported, works out fine. Um, I think that is a, a solid model. I hope more companies do that, and I hope that companies like Stitcher and Midroll continue to do more of it. Um, the show that I'm listening to this week is Upgrade from Relay.fm. Relay.fm, by the way, is a great example of an independent podcasting company. Two people behind it, um, Stephen Hackett and Mike Hurley, they're the, the two founders of Relay.fm. They were both just big podcasting fans, podcasters themselves. Uh, they had worked with Dan Benjamin's 5x5 network in the past, I think, among others, and they decided to go out on their own. Uh, they are primarily about tech shows. Most of their shows are about technology. Not all of them now. They've spread out a little bit. They've got some great uh, independent producers that work with them, and they have a great corporate atmosphere that allows for um, creator-owned shows, and uh, like Max Fun is a nice collective for producers to get into. Um Upgrade, in particular, is generally hosted by Mike Hurley, one of those founders, and Jason Snell, who has been in the Mac space for years and years and years. He's been a, a, a writer for uh, Apple technology and Apple coverage for, I think, 30 years now almost or something. He was there from, from basically the very beginning, worked with Macworld back in the day uh, magazine. This episode, though, that I'm highlighting and I have linked in here, it's episode 240, actually features Jason Snell with uh, John Syracuse who is an, another Apple podcaster, and um, uh, he's a developer himself. Uh, used to write these great lengthy reviews of every Mac release every year. He retired from that a couple of years ago. But the two of them in this episode, among other things, talk about the potential breakup of iTunes. Uh, the name of the episode is uh, episode 240 of Upgrade, Dance on the Grave of iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I think that was an interesting thing for me, and I wanted, again, if you're interested in this and you want to hear from two people who are very steeped in the Apple space specifically as well as the podcasting space that's a great example of a conversation that you can jump into and and they talk about some of the broader applications not just for podcasting but for what else does it mean in the Apple world when iTunes goes away what does it mean for Windows users Jay for instance if you're not a mm. Mac user uh, iTunes is sort of like the only way that you can plug in and interact with your iOS devices in a lot of ways iTunes is used as a means to do backup and um, syncing and all sorts of things where are all of those features going to go in a world where iTunes is deprecated so uh, they talk through some of that great episode relay.fm upgrade episode 240 and you can find the link in the show notes as well uh, you can find our stuff always always listing pod.com you can find us on facebook as well we've got a group that you can join you can uh, like our page for posts as well we're on twitter too always pod and uh jay where can they follow you facebook.com slash pod vader page it's probably the best way to follow me i'm on twitter at the real pod vader uh uh at the real pod vader is going to tweet about a lot of things by the way more than just podcasting you're probably going to see a lot more football stuff on twitter than you will podcasting stuff really the Pod Vader page on Facebook, you're going to see more podcasting stuff. And um, yeah, nextfanup at gmail.com is probably the best way to get in touch with me via email. Excellent. You can find me, propodcastingservices.com or on Twitter at The Rogue's Life. <laughs> you know, that's a good warning, actually. You're going to see a lot of politics tweets if you follow me. So uh, <laughs> know that. I do talk about podcasting on Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, folks, come back and see us again next week. We will be covering those two uh, research events, the Edison Research event on the 11th and Jacob's Media Tech Survey on the 15th. That'll be in our next episode. Until then, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay with nothing creative to throw out here. And we are always listening. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. 
Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all our reviews by searching Always Listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Also, you can find us anytime at alwayslisteningpod.com or email us at alwayslisteningpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Raber. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.